welcome to the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast. My name's Amy McDonald. I'm a yoga teacher, yoga student, and a yoga business coach. And I'm here to support you to share your yoga with the people in your community who really need it. So if you're an amazing yoga teacher, but you sometimes struggle with the business part of what it is that you do, you're in the right place. I hope you thoroughly enjoy everything I've got in store for you. And if you have any suggestions, questions, or ideas for future podcasts, reach out to me on Instagram at Amy Yoga Biz Coach. Morning. Do you know, I've just listened to your podcast, the, the latest one, the um, Work With A Friend one, and that's so cool. And do you know what? The day before I listened to it, I actually got in touch with one of my friends and said, we need to do something together. And then I've listened to this podcast and it's so funny. And there was a something that you said DM you. And it, oh yeah, I'm excited. That was it. <laughs> Yes, I'm excited. Um, and now I have to go to work, which I'm also excited about because it's fab. Um, anyway, yeah, see you tonight or tomorrow morning. Okay, bye. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast. Thanks for tuning back in. That was a fabulous Terry. Also, love this message from Denise. Hello, beautiful. Let's face it, anybody who starts a message with hello, beautiful, that's nice. Hello, beautiful. I just listened to your most recent podcast episode and I wanted to share three things with you. First, I don't think I ever told you that Charisma Whitefeather and I, hi lovely if you're listening, collaborated on on a workshop. Um, uh, We introduced her special kundalini sauce to a combination of her folks and mine and it was a blast. Second, I put a message out to my YTT graduates asking if anyone would like to collaborate on a workshop with me given the requirements you laid out in the podcast and I have six people that want to collaborate. I'm so excited to see where this leads love that so good i've got to tell you um it's incredibly nourishing um when i when i hear from people that listen to this show and they actually find it useful this uh from Teresa. hey amy my good friend and yoga teacher danny put me onto your podcast and i've been smashing it all day while deep cleaning my home just wanted to reach out and say thanks for what you do you're so listenable from weapon of choice to alien references, you are 100% speaking my language. Oh, God, it's a small but fabulous click, Teresa. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, everyone, for listening to the show. So good, so good. Okay, let's um, let's jump into some celebrations. I want to celebrate Erin, who spent the weekend at the Mind Body Spirit Festival, had a stall that looked divine, lots of interactions and people and sales and good times. So well done. It's no, if if you're remotely uh, sensitive, being in a giant exhibition center with a vendor booth talking about your stuff for three straight days is no small feat. So well done to Erin. Zoe, uh, congratulations. These are my clients folks if you're a new listener zoe who filled up her spine and posture workshop well in advance totally full chock a block that's brilliant um uh, uh uh veronica who i was just talking with on the patreon contributor monthly coaching session earlier this morning last time we spoke um we talked through a facebook advertising strategy and she said that since she'd been running the ad she'd had 40 people message her to come to her local classes and a bunch of them had come to take a free class and a a smaller bunch of those had gone on to continue to come to classes in fact she said that uh, some of her evening classes are now completely full and that's just fantastic so yeah amazing 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 Um, and I could go on but I won't because we've got a lot to talk about this week Uh, two PSAs PSA number one this is season 10 of the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast, and it is coming to an end. Uh, I think this is going to be the last episode for this season. I'm going to take a little break from podcasting, but I'm cooking up some good things in the background, so don't worry, I won't leave you totally hanging. But guess what? After 10 seasons of 20 episodes or something a season, you know, you can always go back. <laughs> There's a lot way back in the way back that you could go and listen to. And uh, in particular, if, you, if, you, if that's not enough, if that is insufficient, um, don't forget that there's loads of back episodes in the Patreon back catalogue. So that's a $5 a month. And uh, this month I dropped two episodes, which I 
have heard from a lot of people who found those to be quite humorous. Really, it's just me going for it about <laughs> oh, some of the personal insights I had while I was away. Um, but also just kind of ripping yoga a new one because every now and then I get a bit frustrated with some of the malarkey that goes on in yoga land. And uh, yeah, that's that. So there's two episodes of the key lessons I learned on my six weeks away in Thailand that you can get as well as a bunch of uh, past episodes. You can stay for a month, pay five bucks, or you can continue to hang out with us and continue to enjoy a bonus episode a month as well as access and participation in the Abundant Yoga Teacher Book and Film Club. Uh, and we're reading the Gospel of Wellness this month and then we're going on to read the Trauma of Caste. Have I got the name right? Um, next month. Sorry, that's March and April. Um, so yeah, come and hang out with us. It's five bucks a month. I'll put the link as always in the episode notes. That's it. That's the two pieces of, that's the two PSAs. One, you're welcome. This is the final podcast for a hot minute until I feel revived and refreshed. And two, if you can't stand the idea of being without me, make sure you are a Patreon supporter. And uh, you can also watch all of the replays of all of the book and film clubs if you want to really like go to town on the Amy content. <laughs> uh, and then you can book me for a counselling appointment with my other business. No, 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 just kidding. Okay, so uh, a little note from our sponsor and then we'll dive into the content. I want to tell you about my friend Annie's awesome offering that is totally free. It's training for yoga teachers, all about teaching with confidence if English is your second or third or fourth or fifth or sixth or seventh language. It's all happening on Zoom from the 10th till the 12th of March. And she's going to be talking about queuing and being confident with your language. It's going to be awesome because everything she does is sign up for it for free. Link in my bio. Alright, so today I want to talk about how to handle in the moment in terms of responding and also within yourself after the fact, negative feedback from your students. Over the past, I'll say month, two of my two of my clients in particular have been really sitting with some look, spade a spade. What am I talking about? A spade, a fucking shovel. It's me. Some really shitty feedback that they've received from people that they work with in their businesses. And um, that set them back, right? That's taken up headspace. That's kept them stewing about it, waking up in the night, these sorts of things. And I know I've absolutely been there, certainly, you know, in my personal life, but definitely also when it comes to business, less so these days, Jai Yoga. But definitely it is something that happens and probably perhaps it's happened or maybe even happening for you now. So we're going to talk about what, what might be going on in these scenarios, what yoga has to teach us about these scenarios, and then how we can consider what's actually going on such that we can, in the, at the time that it's happening, respond rather than react, and then handle what's residual within us after the exchange in a way that feels, in a way that we can you know, expedite the process so we're not sitting with it for weeks on end, letting it bubble and fester and rot away. So to kick us off, I wanted to read a passage from Be Love Now, the book by Ramdas uh, came out in 2010, <laughs> which is interesting because I reread it. I went, I went camping, uh, solo camping on the weekend. For those of you who are Patreon supporters, you would have heard more about that in the uh, episode that I dropped last week about why I'm going solo camping, what that means, what I'm doing, all of those good things. Um, so that, that happened this last weekend and I, uh, my, my whole purpose other than just being in nature and being out of internet receptivity and phone receptivity was to reread this particular book and it's interesting because oh yoga land you know in yoga land things date and you just look back and think oh fudge this was really good until that 
thing happened. You know, like Bikram pops up in a documentary and you think, oh shit, I was really enjoying this until that. Um, so it goes. Anyway, in this one, uh, Ramdas at one point, he's, this is just how the texts date. So much good juice still in this book. And yet Ramdas shares an anecdote about after his stroke, he went to John of God to get healing. Oh, at the Casa. Uh-oh. Wah, wah. Uh, if you don't know, <laughs> John of God, uh, sex pest, rapist, bad guy now in prison. Oh, they think under house arrest, right? There's a doc if you want to watch it, like a three-part doc. Uh, but if you want to, John of God, um, don't really bring you down, bring you down version, I definitely recommend the maintenance phase episode about John of God. It's part of the Oprah Winfrey suite. I think we need to have a Patreon bonus episode about the big O. I got to say, Oprah, I used to live for a bit of Oprah back in the day. When I was at uni, I could not get enough. And my best friend at the time, we would like rock it out to a bit of Oprah Winfrey. And now, hot diggity. Oh, yeah, that's a mess. Anyway. What was I talking about? Oh, yeah, I was talking about this book. <laughs> Before we start the topic at a quarter of the way into the bloody time I'm going to talk about it, I'm going to read you this passage from Be Love Now, a book by Ram Dass, which is quite a nice read, uh, not if you're triggered by talk of gurus and holy men. And also just be aware that there is a passage in there about the healing power of John of God, who was a charlatan and a creeper. All right, he says, love this. He says, clearing the mind is a process of becoming simple, but it's not a simple process. There's plenty of room for excursions into delusion or Maya. We have all encountered, whether in ourselves or others, the tendency to substitute piety for purity, ritual for personal experience, or concepts for consciousness. These are ways we pretend to be spiritual while maintaining the fiction that we are the center of the universe. These delusions are not good or bad, but the ego can be very subtle and convincing at being spiritual too. I'm a spiritual person. How many lifetimes will we spend on that one? Eventually, those fictions may lead us to real spiritual work anyway. And I love this because it's very forgiving of ourselves and others. I've shared this story before. I remember breaking up with someone in a haystack. Yes, that really happened. Uh, and at the time, I was on my you know, Buddhist trip. And I was an asshole to that person about how I did it. Oh, that's all. If you're feeling such and such and such, well, that's all your stuff. I was so heartless. And I thought I was being very, very spiritual, but I was being a big C-bomb in that moment, in that haystack. Uh, I feel yucky still about that breakup. Um. God, I was just completely heartless. I felt, well, I'm so spiritual. I'm not taking on your energy. That's your, no, Amy, you're being a C-bomb and you should have been more open-hearted and a hell of a lot more compassionate because that person was in pain. So all of this to say that I think in yoga land, we can bump up against people and hell, sometimes we are the people, but we can bump up against people who feel they are being very, very spiritual when in fact, perhaps they're still like I was in that haystack, awkward or a little misguided in what actually nonviolent communication and approaching adversity with compassion genuinely looks like. But on the other side of it, as the person receiving that information, it can take us out, right? Um, one of my clients, you know, she's still, we had a session today and a, a month ago we were processing how to handle a conversation where, where, where she was made to feel a certain way by someone she worked with. Um, Another one of my clients, uh, you know, she got some feedback from a student, which absolutely sent her into a tailspin and we did a coaching session on it. This is really, really common. And so what I want to do today is, is cross over a little bit into the work that I do as a counselor and talk about some concepts that I think are important to bear in mind about what might be going on for our students or people that we're interacting with in our businesses that actually don't have anything to do with us. And unless we're aware of that, 
can take us out of the game, can have us, you know, can have the chittavriti off the charts, mind spinning, waking up in the night, overthinking, cogitating, 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 dwelling on stuff that was kind of never about us in the first place. Now, before I get into the guts of this, I want to talk about three concepts, transference, counter-transference and projection. Very, at a very basic rudimentary level, just so that we can have them in mind as someone else's samskaras are playing out in real time from a sort of a psych, Western psychological uh, vocabulary. These are three ways in which that may be happening and I'm going to go through them in a very rudimentary way. I want to be very clear before we get into that. We are not as yoga teachers, we are not people's therapists. We are not their psychologists, their psychiatrists, their counselors. We are not their spiritual guides or their life coaches. We are not anything other than their yoga teachers. Now, if you have additional qualifications and you are in an exchange, a, a consensual exchange with someone else, whereby they know you are bringing those modalities to the mix, Go deeper, have more. I'm not going to share these concepts with you so that you can diagnose your students or declare to them, oh, right now, see, right now what's happening is this is transference about your mother. That's not that. What I'm offering these three little tiny little dustings of information for is so that in the moment, perhaps these ideas may help you access a level of objectivity and... Mm, uh, space between what's actually going on for the person and how you're receiving it in your experience so that it doesn't sit with you so heavily and so that you can be more uh, supportive of your student in the context of being their yoga student and in the context of being a small business owner who has great healthy business boundaries. Uh, Jai five on that. Okay, so uh, <laughs> all right, so 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 let's talk about the three concepts. Um, and if you want more of this stuff, or if you want me to go deeper into how it links with more sort of yogic yogic uh, thinking, let me know, and we can go deeper if you like. Maybe in um, maybe in Patreon. Okay, so so like I said, there's three concepts, and I'll run through them, and then we'll talk about the so what first one is transference. The second one is counter-transference. The third one is projection. Okay, so the first one, transference. This is what happens when, a, I'm just going to use the term student, right? But you can substitute for whatever else you do or other interactions you have with people. Today, we're talking teacher-student. So this happens when a student is um, playing out with you a dynamic from their past. So maybe it might be uh, they're playing out the dynamic of them as child, you as their parent, or maybe they're playing out a dynamic of uh, something like a teacher, a, a teacher from school where they're the student and you're the teacher. Something in the exchange that you're having has triggered them in such a way that they've defaulted to a dynamic or a behavior pattern from their past and it's showing up in real time with you. So this can often show up um, where, where, where the sort of the temperature changes with a student or they accuse you of uh, making them feel a certain way. Uh, maybe they ghost you, they stop coming, maybe they get aggressive with you, but something kind of shifts and you're thinking, what's just happened? Whereas for them, it's and it's subconscious, they don't know they're doing it. They're not thinking, I'm going to now be the cranky teenager who had the alcoholic mother like that they don't know they're doing it but this is the these are the pathways right this is the like the vasana the the memories that are created in us based on our past experiences this is what leads to karma i'm triggered in the moment because you've said something to me and i've defaulted to my little girl self who got in trouble when she was told off by her parent and i'm responding accordingly. This is called transference. I'm transferring onto you 
my behavior as I would have behaved in that situation from my past. That's concept number one. Like I said, it can show up um, when you're, uh, it can show up when you're with your student as they're getting angry with you, they're withdrawing from you, they uh, don't keep coming. This has happened to me with coaching clients, like they just quit their package halfway through, they don't finish up their package. They start exhibiting sort of childlike, if you like, um, behavior. They can also, it can go into other places, but but commonly it shows up with sort of protest behaviors where they're doing childlike things, you know, tantrums, getting cross, um, giving you the silent treatment, these sorts of, uh, of, of, the dynamic has shifted where once it was adult to adult and now it's adult to child and you're the adult and they're the child and they're being snarky with you. That's called transference. The second one is counter-transference and this happens in the opposite direction. And I remember very vividly getting this, I actually got this training from my teacher Noah as a part of my 300 hour yoga teacher training um, back in Jakarta in, I don't know, 2014 or whatever it was, 2013. And it's sort of blowing my mind at the time and not really understanding how it plays out. It can also, I'm not talking about this today, but this can also very much play out in the sexual dynamic. It's beyond my pay grade to talk about that sort of stuff. I was getting the teaching from, from my teacher more in the context of sexual dynamics, right? Like, like your students crushing on you, for example, um, it, which is a very important conversation to have as, as yoga teachers. It's not the one we're having today. I'm talking about the non-sexual kind of manifestation of transference and counter-transference. All of this to say it was part of this type of conversation was part of my 300 hour yoga teacher training. I think it needs to be. I'll talk more about that towards the end. I don't think it is very common. All right. So counter-transference is what happens when you drop into the con- the complementary role and start interacting with your student in the dynamic that they have set up for you. So for example, your student goes all petulant and, and cracks it with you because you're trying to tell them that their class pass has expired. That's triggered something for them. They're defaulting into some childlike behaviors like being grumpy and grouchy with you. And in response, you take on more of the parenting role and this sets you up with a really unhealthy dynamic, which leaves you with that icky feeling afterwards where you're waking up in the night or replaying it again and again and again or however else stuff dwells in you. Counter-transference is when you take on the role that it's when you react to your student's transference. So it might show up as um, maybe you become more nurturing or you want to rescue them or, you know, you want to save them. You want to become sort of effusive in your reassurance. That's a really common one, right? Oh, no, no, it's nothing like that at all. No, okay, it's going to be okay. We'll come up with a solution. Like this is you saying, you know, giving your kid the chips at the, at the, while you're waiting at the, your kids had a tantrum. And you're like, you're waiting at the supermarket and there's three more trolleys in front of you. And so you give your kid the kinder surprise because like, let's just end this situation. I'm going to give you what you want, for example. Um, Or the kid falls over and hurts themselves and you swoop in and scoop them up and make a huge deal about the skinned knee or whatever. that, That dynamic where you become even more nurturing or rescuing. Or um, you can become critical of them. And this is often how uh, this is maybe you sort of become flippant or, or maybe you become scared of them. Right. This, maybe you've had an experience where something's happened with a student and now all of a sudden you feel uncomfortable knowing that they're going to show up to class tonight. This is another indicator that transfer counter transference, transference and counter transference are going on. If for no clear and obvious reason, you suddenly have this feeling of discomfort or you'd prefer it if they didn't come to class, or you really hope they don't hang back because I'm not sure why, and it never used to be the case, this might be what's going on. Good news, once you identify that, you can address it. So this is actually great once you understand it. Or if you find yourself for no good reason feeling cranky about a student, which is so, you know, if we have compassion for ourselves, it's kind of delightful. Why am I suddenly so mad at John? 
what the hell's he done? He just went and got a blanket and, and gave me a face and now I'm cross with him? What's happening? Oh, okay. This is what's, we're, we're in this dynamic and I want to get myself out of it. Countertransference happens when you take on the role set out by the transference of your student. They, they want to be the, 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 the um, tantrum throwing toddler and you say, all right then, well, if that's what you're doing, I'm going to do mummy or whatever. That's transference and countertransference. The, th- the third one that we need to talk about is projection. And this is the one that everybody, oh, I think you're projecting your mama, which is what Amy Bitchface in a haystack did to the person that she was dating way back then. Projection. Projection is where I, um, I, have, I have qualities in me and I want to make them yours. So the stuff that's going on in me, as opposed to the stuff that's going on, but transference is stuff that was happening with someone else in my history. Projection is stuff that was happening in me in my history, and I want to make it all about you. So um, this is where I'm, where where I am attributing um, thoughts, feelings, uh, behaviors. Um, on other people that are actually mine. And I'm doing this to protect myself. It makes me feel better about me. um, And it makes me feel like I'm protecting myself against you by seeking to make you feel crappy about you. So, okay. Transference, dynamics in my past. I'm trying to set up in a current relationship and I don't know I'm doing it. Counter-transference. I've fallen into a pattern that my student has set up for me, whereby we're now playing out something from their history. Projection, I want to make all of this stuff in me that I don't really like yours so that I feel better about myself and I hope you feel shitter about you. Great. Now, we're all doing this all of the time. It's just, again, it's the, it's, it's the, it's the nature of being a human. We can all seek to get better at it, not doing it, and become more aware of where it's going on. Where I want to apply these three principles is to the uh, difficult conversations or attacks that you might receive from a student so that rather than feeling so wounded, you can come at it with a curiosity and a compassion. That means you can still serve your student in that dynamic, in that relationship, but you're not leaving with a gaping wound having felt attacked. So... Let's talk about one particular example from one of my clients. She received an email. You can always tell these emails because they tend to be really long. She received an email from a former student listing all the ways in great detail why that student was no longer coming to her classes. Had This particular email had a delicious passive-aggressive flair for, I know you'll be really good for some students, but... oh. Obviously, as the coach, my initial response was, oh, go fuck yourself. But, you know, that's not what I recommend you. (laughs) Don't send that email back. Write that email and then delete it. (laughs) And then delete it from the deletions just in case everything, anything ever gets subpoenaed. No, I'm kidding, sort of. Anyway, the cracker of this email was, um, your classes made me feel inadequate. And... Uh, your classes made me feel inadequate and I was getting down on myself. But the cracker was, and the indicator that there is something else going on here was your classes are making me feel inadequate. Ding, 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 ding. As soon as anybody says to you, you make me feel bing, 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 something's going on here. Ah, breathe. Something's going on here. There's other things in the mix. There are, this is, what's his face? You know, what's that movie? I see dead people. There are dead people around. There are people. There are other people in this. It's not just you and me anymore. Bing, bing, bing. Something else is going on. If I'm making you feel, insert whatever. Because that's not how it works. But that's for another day. Your classes make me feel inadequate. Okay, so. And as you can imagine, if you got an email from someone who had been coming to your classes for years saying, hey, I'm not coming anymore. I'm going to Donna's class instead. And uh, by the way, your classes make me feel inadequate. On its face, that is a colossal gut punch, right? I mean, horrific. I'd be 
devastated if Terry sent me that email. He's been coming to my classes for 10 years or whatever. If all of a sudden I got that email saying, your classes made me feel inadequate. I would, uh, uh, that's a Duna day. That is a day of Netflix and I don't know, five bowls of popcorn. That's what that does for me. Gut punch, horrible. And now with a little more awareness, Jai Yoga, we can look at this and understand that those classes were just, it's, firstly, it's all just freaking yoga. It's just a yoga class. It's just a yoga class. We're not talking about someone's, you know, um, uh, infinite spiritual salvation. We're talking about a little bit of glute strengthening and a little bit of hamstring stretching and a bit of relaxation at the end. It's just yoga. Now, it's true, right, that we can go to yoga classes and as a result of being in them, leave feeling inadequate. I've done a gazillion classes where I've left feeling really inadequate. Why? Because I already had some seeds of inadequacy within me and they got to play out on the stage of that yoga class. It wasn't the yoga class's fault. It wasn't the yoga teacher's fault. I had that shit in me. It was brewing in there, baby. And guess what? It decided to come up at that time. What's going on here is the student feels shitty about themselves for whatever reason and not to be judgy about it because who hasn't? <laughs> at some point, or maybe right now, maybe all the time. Hello, welcome to life. This, this particular student for whatever reason, which we can get to in a second, was feeling shitty about themselves. They felt inadequate. They felt inadequate. Whatever that means for them. We, I don't know. And it doesn't matter. But they felt inadequate in that class. And so they stopped coming. But that felt uncomfy. Sitting with that, oh, I'm not inadequate. I'm, I'm not inadequate. I couldn't be inadequate. I, this, this is, I don't like this attribute of, of feeling like I'm inadequate. I need to put that somewhere else so that I feel better about me and what better place to put it than the creator of the context where I felt the inadequacy, i.e. the teacher. I'm going to send her an email and let her know it was her classes, i.e. her that made me feel, ding, 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 inadequate. I hope you know I'm doing the hand gesture when I'm ringing that bell every time. <laughs> so projection, this is projection. You make me feel bad, projection. Now that's not to say that we don't play roles in the creating the context that leads to someone feeling a certain way about themselves, but fundamentally there is a there is a, a, a finite limit to the degree to which we can manage that and certainly like I said at the top we're not people's counselors or therapists or spiritual guides or whatever in the context of a yoga class we can't possibly know shit we don't even know our own stuff we can't possibly know what people are bringing to the mat every time they come to class to make sure that we don't trip up and create a context in which someone's stuff is going to come up. And as Ramdas says in, in the quote that I took too long to get to the point with, maybe that's part of the path anyway. Eventually those fictions may lead us to real spiritual work anyway. The fact that I can look back on my haughty, oh, I'm such a freaking pure pain in the ass Buddhist, I'm going to just let you deal with you. That's not my stuff because I was so spiritual. Like uh, uh, that, looking back on that and reflecting on that has been good for me. It doesn't excuse it. It was still shitful. But grokking it into how I conduct myself these days, hopefully I'm better at that now. So let's go back to this example. Maybe in this, so obviously we can see, okay, projection is happening right here, okay, right? So she's got this stuff, she's feeling a sense of inadequacy, she doesn't like that feeling, she's going to push it out onto the teacher and she's going to do that by sending an email. That's what happened. Now, what also may be at play is transference and countertransference. Maybe the, the need to, maybe the inadequacy and the need to express it is, is, um, it stems from a dynamic that was set up in this particular student's history. A parent 
a lover, a teacher, whatever, a peer, whatever. And the way they felt in that yoga class tipped them back into this patterning, right? Samskara that had them show up and exchange in an email environment, but exchange an energy transfer with my client that manifested itself such as, I need to send you this email. I need to let you know that I'm not coming to your class anymore because your class has made me feel inadequate. Importantly, in the it's much easier with email because we can take time, right? It's much, much more difficult. It's much more in the moment when you're having a face-to-face meeting with people. But if we look at applying with curiosity, because we're not in this, you know, we're not therapists, we're not, we're not psychologists, whatever. But if we just look at the scenario in the moment and consider, huh, is there transference going on here? Could there be? We don't know. We can't get inside someone's brain, but maybe there could be. And if there is, am I defaulting into the role assigned or can I stay out of that and come at this from my own fresh perspective, i.e., am I falling into counter-transference and meeting that person where they're at, responding to what they're trying to have, the dynamic that they're trying to set up with me, or can I stay empowered and approach this in a way that's more grounded, more conscious, and it actually works as a response rather than a reaction? When my client brought this particular scenario, both of them actually, in both of these examples, when they brought this scenario to me for us to coach on, fortunately, they were both, one was a voicemail, one was an email that they'd received. So not in the moment, like I said, in the moment is, is more difficult. But fortunately, they'd both received this, this correspondence just prior to a coaching call so we could work it through. Um, one had been told that... Um, that that made their student feel inadequate. The other one had been told by a peer that she had uh, conducted herself in an unprofessional manner. Now, objectively, neither of those were true. Um, However, both of my clients were feeling terrible about this situation. And as we were working it through for both of my clients, their immediate response was to be effusively reassuring and also Uh, as a way of defending their own conduct, which makes sense. And again, I want to really normalize this. We all do this all of the time. I'm not talking about this topic to say, look what she did wrong. I'm talking about this topic to say, huh, let's take a step back and look at what's going on here at the bigger picture so that we can all engage, hopefully more skillfully, because engaging more skillfully leaves less icky kind of energy residue, feelings of, fuck it, I'm just going to go and work at Woolworths (laughs) when we approach it this way. Plus also yoga, you know, let's not, let's not attract karma we don't need. Let's be more skillful in the moment. So both of, both of my clients, their, their initial response was that they needed to respond quickly and that they needed to defend themselves by being effusively reassuring. Things like, Um, things like uh, I always make sure that there are lots of pose modifications so that everybody can receive the asana that's right for them. There's always lots of props so that if you're feeling that you need more support one week, you can access those things. Or um, um, if you have, if you feel like I've been in breach of some kind of policy that I was unaware of, please send it to me so that I can adhere to it fully, knowing well, full well in this particular client's situation that there was no such policy. But really being like, I'm committed to being highly professional. I've got 20 years of experience and um, this is, I've never had feedback like this before. And I really want to make sure that you feel great about your experience working with me. All of this stuff is the parent swooping in to take care of the child who's like, I don't like the way that you, you're being mean to me. Eh. Right? Again, I'm not making anybody right or wrong here. I'm being hyperbolic to make a point. What's going on is simply a very common, happens all the time dynamic that we don't have to get into because when we don't, it doesn't affect us to the same degree. And we get to become more skillful communicators. And we also, 
like Rhonda says, maybe get to indirectly offer up a little bit of a teaching back to the student that might not plant a seed that might not, you know, the, the, the fruit might not ripen on that for quite some time. So how, how are we going? So in coaching through these, these scenarios with my students, we first, you know, take a breath. <laughs> How did that make you feel? These sorts of things. Like, let's just, let's get it all out on the table and 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 work through that because it's all valid and we get to feel shitty and we get to feel hurt and we get to feel scared and we get to feel worried that they'll tell people and is this going to lead to a downturn in my business and does this make me a bad person because I really hope not. Like, all of that, let's get it all out. Okay, great. Work with it. Excellent. The stuff that's residual will set to the side. The stuff that we've processed is gone. Now let's talk about so what with the interaction. What does it look like to not get into the counter-transference dynamic? What does it look like to not simply eat the shit that's been projected onto you without being defensive about it? Well, my client that was told her classes were made led to the students feeling inadequate. She knows that that's not her intention she knows that she works hard to make sure that that is not the case so you know on a, on a very practical take the emotion out of it kind of level we can see that that's not an accurate statement so she can look at this now and say okay for that student at that time left a class feeling inadequate and sure there are some professional development things that my client might like to do to reduce the likelihood of that happening again being aware again that we only know our side of it and we're never going to know fully we're not the guru we can't see inside someone's mind we're never gonna we're still gonna make mistakes we're just humans puttering around trying to figure it out as we go along but with things we can do like checking in is everyone okay making sure that there are oodles of props clearer verbal cues maybe about progressions etc sure but beyond that what we needed to clarify was that it was not hers to take on, that she was somehow, some kind of, and this is how she was feeling, demonic yoga teacher who was sending her students off worse than when they arrived. <laughs> that's not her stuff. Now, it's not her stuff in a way that's not spiritually bypassing, not Amy in a haystack circa 2010, but actually understanding that there are uh psychological processes at play whether you want to call it vasana samskara or you want to call it transference and projection there are psychological processes at play whereby in this power dynamic that person's stuff leads to them conducting themselves in such a way that they are seeking to influence my feelings my attitudes and my behaviors ultimately if i can make a little bit of space in there I can see that for what it is and make great choices. So what does that look like in a very practical way? Primarily, start to become aware of your own tendencies and your own projections. If you find yourself in a, in a, in a relationship with someone where they're doing the transference thing, it, do you default into counter-transference? It's likely, most of us do, most of the time. If you do, which way do you go? Do you pull back? Do you lean in? Do you get effusive? Do you get really nurturing or reassuring? Do you get cross? Do you become the, the angry parent? Like, where do you go with that? And, and what could you do so that you don't? A classic, classic go-to, because this gets to be an exploration that you can sort of, I would recommend you journal on this, right? Like, get into it if, and, and just start to notice these situations as they arise over time classic indicator that you might have switched into counter-transference is you cross with someone for no good reason you find yourself giving one of your students way more attention than you're giving to others right if someone's been like i really didn't feel seen in your class last week and then you're all over them the following week that's what's going on they were being the needy kid and now you're being the smothering helicopter parent or whatever and you don't need to do that right you're, you've fallen into the dynamic. You don't have to. I'm not saying ignore them, but you don't have to pander to someone's needs. 
if you find yourself defending yourself, and this one shows up a lot in written communication, I'm always, whenever I, I had it last week with another one of my clients, she's putting up her rates again and she was we were coaching on what is she going to put in the email letting her students know that the rates are going up and she went straight to defending her decision to do that. You don't need to do that. You don't need to defend why you're doing something, why you're implementing a boundary, why you're putting up your rates, why you're saying no instead of yes. You don't need to defend yourself. If someone asks you why, you can provide a reason, but that is different from defending. Defending looks like um, uh, uh, going back into the past and recreating the story of what actually happened. To, to demonstrate that you were right all the way along. Uh, defending looks like uh, drawing on other examples or other people to support your case rather than the, what the person has put forward. I've never had another student complain about that before. I've had 20 private clients and I've never experienced this before. I've been teaching for 20 years and no one has ever provided me that feedback before. These sorts of things. You don't need to do that. Uh, or going into um, the future, defending into the future. Um, like, uh, I'll always make sure that you've got the extra props that you need. Uh, I, I, I'm happy to stay back 10 minutes and really unpack the asana with you next week to make sure that you feel really validated. Too much, too much, too much. You're defending your capacity, your professionalism. You've fallen into that pattern. It doesn't have to happen. Okay, so I'm going to finish this out now because we're already at time. But if you want more of the so what's and how to handle it, we can do that in another episode if you want. But for today, what I want to leave you with is this. Inevitably, in part because simply we're a small business and so we have to manage our own customer service and also in part because we are working in an environment where there is a power differential, i.e. teacher-student, you will deal with people who want to unknowingly, right? This is mostly subconscious who will, let's just say will rather than want to, who will deploy projection and transference onto you when for some reason they're feeling triggered by something that's gone on with as they perceive it within the dynamic between the two of you. That's really normal and it's just part of being a human interacting with another human. What doesn't have to happen is that it brings you undone. That someone wants to crack the shits because actually, no, you can't extend your five class pass for another month beyond the expiry. I'm sorry that the fact that you bought it before you went on a holiday means it's now lapsed. I'm not going to get into naughty kid, angry mummy with you on this. I'm also not going to take that you're cross with yourself for making a dumb purchasing choice and you want to make it my fault. I'm not going to take it. I get that you're feeling those things and it must suck to feel those things. And I want to help you not feel those things. And at the same time, I'm not taking that on. I'm going to help you come up with a solution, but I'm not going to be your parent or your teacher or your ex or whatever else is getting triggered here. Nor am I going to take on the stuff that's making you feel shitty about you so that you can feel better about yourself. And in the process, make me feel crap. Not happening not with judgment, not with blame, with compassion and love. And in time, not a, not a um, schadenfreude type of humor, but with a humor of, wow, isn't it wacky trying to be a human and get it right? <laughs> so wacky. Maybe do that one on the inside or once you get home. But making some space and understanding that you're not being emotionally vacant, you're not spiritually bypassing by taking a pause and going, huh, okay, I see what's going on here. I'm taking a good punt at it because I'm not a counselor, I'm not a therapist, I'm just a human who's got a yoga teacher training certificate. And maybe I can handle myself differently here so that the student's needs can still get met, but in a way where I'm not self-abandoning or, um, or, or defaulting to a pattern that's not mine or eating the shit that's coming from their projection, from how they're feeling about themselves. If you want to look up more, uh, I'll put a great, paper well there's some great passages in this paper in fact maybe i'll close with with reading from a passage of this paper i'll put the link in the episode notes but there you have it folks okay let me get pull up the passage and we'll finish with that all right so this is from a thesis paper by ashley turner if you want to read it uh i'll put the link in the episode notes 
from 2016. She writes, as a yoga instructor of eight years, I have observed that one of the skills most lacking in teachers is an understanding of the nature of the therapeutic alliance, including the tendency of transference, countertransference to occur. In my experience, this phenomenon proliferates in the yoga room and is all but ignored often because the instructor is unaware of what is happening or does not know how to deal with it. It is essential, however, that yoga teachers be educated on the nature of transference, countertransference in order to use the phenomenon effectively. She goes on. In the yoga room, projection often takes the form of idealization, whereby the student idealizes the teacher, holding the teacher to an ungrounded or unrealistic expectation. Qualities such as impeccable honesty, infallible patience, compassion, wisdom, integrity, and unconditional love and forgiveness are examples of some commonly projected qualities. So all of this combined, it's a lot, right? Like, and did you get it in your yoga teacher training? Probably not. Not because we're going to become people's therapists, but because people are going to lob their shit onto us and we need to be better at dealing with it so we don't take it home. Last paragraph from the thesis. Teachers should be educated on how to adequately maintain personal boundaries and to avoid becoming the unwanted depository of students' emotional and psychic discharge. Instead, Yoga teachers could have psychological referrals available to students needing to process emotions, relationships, or trauma. It is vital, as the yoga industry continues its exponential growth, that studios and teacher trainings remain responsible and ethical in educating teachers on all levels of the practice, not merely overemphasize the physical alignment of asanas. Now, obviously, if you've got 200 hours of someone's time, there's a limit to the degree that you can teach them. But I do think perhaps a little bit of research for all of us on these phenomena, transference, countertransference and projection, will make you a better teacher, will make relationships in all forms uh, easier and more navigatable for you. Don't go psychoanalyzing people. What I think is happening here is, I, I hear what you're asking me for, Susan, but what I think is happening here is transference, potentially from your high school headmistress. Like, don't do that. But just understand that, this is someone's upwelling of samskara, vasana, upwelling, upwelling, upwelling. It's bearing out in their action. This is what karma is. That doesn't mean that you need to lean into it. That doesn't mean that you need to suck it all up. That doesn't mean that you have to take it personally. Yes, there's always an opportunity for reflection. Huh, moving forward, what might I do differently so that someone doesn't feel like this again to the degree that I can control it? But for the most part, probably someone else's stuff is just getting all brought up and you don't have to take it on. Not like I said, Amy in a haystack, but in a way whereby the student gets their needs met and you get to go home and sleep well that night. All right, folks, uh, enjoy the season break. Get Patreon if you need more. I'll see you on the other side. Take it easy. So there you have it, folks, another edition of the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast. Hey, favor to ask. If you found the content useful, I would be very grateful if you could support this podcast by giving me a five-star rating. And if you've got a moment, a review would be super cool. No pressure, of course. Like I said earlier, if you have any suggestions for podcast topics in the future, I would love to be in service. DM me on Instagram at Amy Yoga Biz Coach. Take deep care.